0: Pods like us for pods like you. So, Craig, have you got any really special memories of times when you've seen films from your past?
1: Ooh. Yes, I do. So just a film that caught me off guard, two films that caught me off guard in a way that I didn't expect. One was Brooklyn, and the other was Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, so, uh, Brooklyn, just because I thought it was a really charming Charming story. And I was sat in this cinema. I think I, I used to go to the cinema at one o'clock in the afternoon when I knew that no one else would be there. So I could just experience the film myself. And I finished Brooklyn, looked around. And I was like, OK, I'm the only person here and I'm in tears. This is awesome. <laughs> this film has caught me in a wonderful way. Uh, Nocturnal Animals, because that film is all about a character reading a book. So you've got a story within a story. And it's incredibly tense every second, every passing second. You're going, are the stories in the book of this film going to survive or not? What's going to happen in the story of this book? It finished. I went, it was fiction within fiction. How did that grip me for so long? I've studied that film again and again and just gone, it's compelling characters. And it was a real eye opener of not everything has to be real in the context of the film for an audience member to go, oh, I'm in. You know, you've still Mm. got that conceit and it can still hook you. So those two were probably the biggest eye-openers for me, one emotionally and one just storytelling technology, uh,
0: technicals. Mm. Okay. what about yourself, um, Adam? Uh, So just repeat the question for me, maybe that's okay. So, yeah, Uh, are there any special memories from watching films?
2: Um... I suppose for me, it's more sort of nostalgic effect of actually going in and experiencing cinema. So, I think one of the most exciting times I had when I was a child was going to see Jurassic Park in the cinema. And I remember my dad taking me there to go watch it. So, it's what, 93? 93, 93? Yeah. I was two. God, I was probably, yeah, a little <laughs> bit older than that. <laughs> so, I was, uh, I think I must have been about seven or eight at that time.
0: I feel old now.
2: Go I, I, I do feel it a little bit in my bones, and uh, I remember uh, myself getting excited into the point where I was very literally on the edge of my seat. Uh, and I remember the moment was when the raptors are chasing the kids in the kitchen. In the
1: kitchen with the labels in there. Yes, yeah.
2: it. And as they climb up into the vent, and that raptor snaps at the girl's first. I was literally, as I said, on the edge of my seat, and I could see how happy that made my dad. In a way, because he looked over and he's like, oh, I really like enjoy watching my kids being excited," and I was excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've then always loved going to the cinema and enjoying the spectacle. Yeah, because you IMAX
1: it with the big films. Don't oh, you. now I'll
2: go full tilt with it, yeah. 1917,
1: I, uh, Avengers Endgame, they were the films where you're like, I'm paying £50 for this <laughs> interview.
2: I will happily go support the film British industry. Yeah. Um, with or the British film industry. Or the British well, film, hey, film industry. Knows? The BFI. Um, and because that's the thing, I, I, I do believe that movies, as much as you can watch them at home and enjoy it from the comfort of your own sofa... There is something quite magical about going to the cinema, that that full experience, anticipation, mm. excitement, going to see watching things like the trailers even as well. Oh, I love the trailers. I do really love the trailers. Yeah. And from there, uh, seeing something uh, visually um like overstimulating. So especially seeing on there like an IMAX and you know taking up the whole screen, your whole field of vision, mm. and the sound as well. So yeah, so something like 1917 was amazing to watch in IMAX, whereas I don't think you would then get the impact of watching that at home. So yeah, yeah. I suppose I yeah I, I'm. You're setting home. yourself up for a fool, really. <laughs> I, I just went to watch it in the local cinema,
1: uh, tinny sound, crackly screen. When I watch it on the TV at home, I'm going to love it even more.
2: Well, this is what the problem was with with, with uh, tenants. You yeah, you know what I mean. Because you were coming out and going, I can't understand. The sound was off in that film. But I it was blasting in my ears. I could hear everything. And you had a hearing problem. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love going to the cinema, but we we go we go quite a lot. Well, when when, the, when they're open. Um, <laughs> but I, I've never actually seen a film in IMAX.
2: Oh, you did. You, you're missing out.
0: I don't know where the nearest IMAX cinema would be to us. I know Showcase, they, they've closed down, haven't they, I think? But, uh, uh, it's been a bit
2: of a tough time for the
0: industry. Y- yes, yeah, it is. It's terrible.
1: I've only ever seen one film on IMAX, it was Gravity, and I felt very disappointed.
2: Yeah. I just didn't enjoy the story of the film. I well, thought it was silly. What I will say is that you can go and watch a bang average movie in IMAX, yep. and be amazing so I think Ghost in the Shell was a great example I think I've mentioned yes yeah, yeah. where terrible movie but especially like you know in terms the of the visuals was... the spectacle of it is absolutely mind blowing uh, the visual effects were outstanding but then I remember then coming away from it being oh yeah Ghost in the Shell was an awesome movie and then watching at home and being like oh actually this is a piece of you know what <laughs> still never seen it
0: yeah you're not missing out know I've not seen that one yet with... Uh, you're on about the Scarlet Johansson, is it? Uh, yeah. So I'm guessing what they've done then is they've kept the uh, the spectacle of um, the visuals from the original uh, uh, anime, but they've just not got the, 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 uh, the strength of the story or put it across as well as that did.
2: I, yeah, I feel like this storyline didn't actually translate that well into live action. I feel that's quite a lot with you know sort of like manga and Japanese animation uh, when they try to do the live actions. I don't think they quite capture the Hey uh, yeah the story because you've seen that quite a, lot, a few adaptations. I think probably the worst culprit that's the uh, Dragon Ball Z live adaptation. Still never seen it. Mate, oh, no, you definitely don't want to watch that. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but uh, uh, yeah, the Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus, dude. Yeah, Uh, Shyamalan really dropped the ball with that. Still never seen it. Yeah, again. do. (laughs) (laughs) It
1: needs to be a common trait. I mean, just don't do it. Don't turn anime into live action. Has it ever worked? I think it's always
2: a way with any adaptation. If you're not really respectful to the source material and understand why people like it Mm. and why people appreciate that form of media, you're always going to fail. yeah.
0: Yeah, a bit like uh, Judge Dredd. If you're going to do a Judge Dredd movie, make a Judge Dredd movie. Don't, don't try and shape it into something that it shouldn't be, and disrespect the um, the original source. Yeah, very.
2: I, I take it you've listened to our Judge Dredd episode, then. <laughs>
0: yes, I have. Yeah. Well, very good point.
2: Uh, yeah, because the uh, the Carl Urban uh, Judge Dredd uh, movie. Dredd. Dread was fantastic like if you spoke to any fan of Judge Dread they love that movie whereas the Stallone uh, 95 isn't it is yeah, um, is really a. I wouldn't say it's hit and miss I think it's a lot of miss uh, yep. yeah I think I'm probably the, the only person that actually really liked it <laughs> but yeah Alan Silvestri soundtrack that's it I love it for the soundtrack I love it there's a few great <laughs> scenes in that movie where it's like oh actually it's pretty good and then most of
0: it is just trash. Yeah, what you need to do is take the soundtrack out of that and just to have uh, have Iron Man in the background instead on the visuals. Yeah, and then you've you've Good gone shout. to a winner.
2: <laughs> I like thinking,
0: <laughs> but basically that's what it is. I mean, Alan, Alan, Alan Silvestri, the the man behind the uh, the great music of the Marvel films.
2: Yeah, uh, so he does. He does the. Uh... The Avengers theme tune does a lot. Does uh, Captain America? Yeah, um, he's very good at doing that sort of yeah, that militaristic fanfare.
0: Yeah, it sort of bothers me that you know in a way because I mean I, lo- I love the Marvel films. I get I get carried away with them, but at the same time, his themes are not there for long enough in my mind. He he sort of like he gets something, and uh, you hear. You hear it in like the adverts, and that oh, that, that's a really good theme. And then when you get to the film, or you get to the soundtrack, is there's only a snippet of it, and then it goes away and is replaced. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I, I believe in the Avengers. Uh, this is how hey, sad I am with it. Uh, on the Avengers soundtrack, the, the the actual title theme, it's about one minute twenty into it, where you hear the the big crescendo.
1: <laughs> that
2: one, yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, and I know that so well because when I use, when I go running, it's on my sound, it's on my playlist. Yeah, minute it your... Minute twenty. Just on that little snippet, and be like, "Cool, awesome, done." That's it. Run yeah, that's it. back home. again. Yeah, PB. Yeah. is
0: nice. <laughs> yeah, I just wish that theme would be a bit more prominent in there because it's it's so good, but it's just not there for very long. I think no. they used it more in Endgame than they did in the original Avengers film.
2: Definitely. some some sort of overture to it, wasn't it? There's some kind of, like, they use it to sort of mix in like, yeah, all the it's, other it's sort of things. Yeah, because of what out there,
1: but it just doesn't compare to the... Danny Elfman's Batman is... Did Danny Elfman do Batman? Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is the pinnacle superhero score. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, maybe Superman, but maybe. Danny Elfman's Batman is number one. for yeah. me. Yeah, cool. good out. Are you rattling your brain now trying to think of how it goes? Of course I know. How it (laughs) goes. It's on my playlist. (laughs) Minute 21.
0: Pods like us for pods like you. This is going to be riveting listening.